Hi, this is Pastor Furman with Lubbock Unified Church. Uh, you are listening to Messages on the Go. We pray that this message will bless you today and that you will receive a word from God that will help you in your life. If you ever want to visit us in person, feel free to stop by any Sunday, 2707 34th Street. Services are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Or you can join us for a Wednesday night refuel service with some prayer, some worship, and a word every Wednesday at 6.30, same location. We would love to have you. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Y'all doing good? So if you notice, things are a little different, okay? We're starting on time. <laughs> starting on time this year. We have kids going to class before uh, service. And you might be like, well, what about the worship? You enjoy the worship with them, and I get that. We actually have a unique worship just for them in our new kids' bill that we're doing for the kids. And so those are just little changes that we're making because it's a new year, and we're just trying to do things in the way that we feel God is leading us. We're still going to have family services at different points throughout the year where the kids will be in service with us, where we'll be doing family-oriented things, and they'll be with us the entire time. But we'll let you know what days those are going to be like. This coming, I'm trying to think, the end of this month we have baptisms on that Sunday with the potluck. That might be a family service. We want the kids to see stuff like that. That makes sense? Yeah, somewhat, yeah. But I hope, I really hope that, you know, just like last week we talked about crossing over, that you feel some breakthrough in your life, that you really feel like God has been leading you to a new place. And man, that this would be a year of crossing over, especially, uh, man, in every area that we need. And, you know, today's message is called Clean Slate. Whenever we have ourselves in that position of being on a clean slate, it's so much easier to walk with God. It's so much easier to accomplish the things that you want in this life. It's so much easier to build on the things that you want to. And we're going to read about two brothers who are on the need of the Father's love and disgrace. And despite the things that they did, despite the choices that they make, man, there's always love and grace and mercy waiting for them if they're waiting, if they're willing to receive it. And so, man, I, I just pray that this word would speak to all of us this morning. Is there anybody in need of a fresh start this morning? Anybody want to receive a word from God this morning? Yeah. Anybody just want a, a clean slate, start over, start fresh? Amen. Well, I really pray that you would receive this today. That every moment that you find yourself in that season, you can think about what we talked about today. So you know what? I don't have to walk with that forward. I, I can leave it behind and move past it. And so I just want to pray for us before we get started. And then we'll jump in. Father, I thank you. I thank you just for the things, man, that you make available to us. There's a lot that we can't do on our own, Lord, and you are willing to say that you would pick up where we lack, that you would help us put back together the things that we mess up, that you would help us clean up the messes that we make. Father, it's humbling to just know that, man, the way you love us is a way that often we can't even love ourselves. And so just as we meet with you this morning, Lord, we, we do ask, man, that you would soften our heart. We do ask that you would give us fresh eyes to see things the way that you see them. That you would clear, clean our ears, Lord, and 
Help us be better listeners of the word, but also better doers of the word. Lord, we don't want to just hear things and, and not live it out, Father. We thank you that you are willing to equip us and, and guide us and instruct us, Lord. But we know that unless we apply these things to our life, that they don't carry the value that they could. So would you help us be people who don't just display their faith by their words, but by their actions? So, Father, we just thank you and we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be reading the New Testament this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15. Um, it's known as one of the four books of the gospel. So when you hear that word gospel, that term, it, it means that it is describing something specific or someone specific. And when people talk about the gospels of the Bible, they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the records of his life, the things that he did, who Jesus was. There's four different people that wrote these books, these gospels, talking about Jesus. And the one that we're focusing on today is Luke. And if you read the Bible, you discover that he was a close friend of the Apostle Paul. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul refers to him as a beloved physician. So that means that this man was educated, okay? He was a doctor, but he was also a good friend of his. You continue to read in that chapter and you discover that Paul says that he wasn't a Jew. Meaning that he didn't grow up in the church, okay? And I think that's kind of important for us to identify and understand who's writing these things, who's speaking these things, who's the one telling us these things. Because whether it's today, whether it's yesterday, at some point you're going to have a question. And you're going to want to answer to that question. And for many of us, we might be in a season of questions and a season of wondering. And sometimes we're intimidated to ask people questions, man. Who are you even talking about? What does that mean? What is that word? Who is this person? And I want us to know that it's okay to have questions. It's something we should all be exploring and discovering for ourselves. And I also share who this person Luke was with us because many of us get questions about our faith. Why do you believe that? Why do you read that? You know, that's just a, that's a white person's religion. They just brainwashing you. There's a lot of different things that people will say, man, if you really look at the science of this, the logic to this, you'll see that there's a way to explain everything. But we just read about a guy named Luke, right? We just talked about it. He was, could have been somebody to validate a lot of those questions because he was a man of education. He was a man that did grow up being brainwashed, as some people may say, about the word of God. So he would have been somebody to validate what was true, what wasn't. And what he wrote, what we are still seeing, and what people, many people are discovering that God is real, that Jesus is real, that he did walk this earth, that the Holy Spirit is still working in people today. So always ask questions. Seek to learn what you don't know. Because that's something somebody can take from you. You know, a lot of times I'm always talking about things on your own because a lot of times, man, you don't know what you don't know. It's really that simple. But once you gain that experience, once you gain that knowledge for yourself, it's something that nobody else can take from you. Whether they believe you or not, that's on them. But when you have an encounter with God that changes you, can't nobody say nothing to you. Because you had that experience. It was you that went through this. That's why many people tell me a lot of things and I share with them, I'm like, they're not gonna believe the things that God did in my life, the things that he's took me from, the things that he's freed me from. But well, people that have known me and they see me now, they're like, 
There's got to be something to this. And I don't care what anybody tells me about the Lord. I know he's real for me. And that's something you have to discover for yourself. Because you're never going to believe something unless you discover it for yourself. And it's in those moments that we discover the change. Man, that changes everything in our life. That we become part of his story. Not just a part of our history. And so I share that with you because Luke was a person that could have been like, nah, these people is lying, man. I'm a doctor. I know all these things. But he said, no, you know what? This Jesus thing is real, y'all. There's evidence to back this up. And I want to share this with people so they can know the truth. So they can be educated. So they can receive the same things that I received from this blessing. That's the author who wrote Luke. And in this chapter 15, we're at a point where Jesus is having a conversation with Pharisees. And those are teachers of the word of God. A lot of times they had problems with Jesus because of the way that Jesus was handling and doing things. You see, a lot of times Jesus would go and hang with the people that the Pharisees would never associate with. They wouldn't talk to them. They wouldn't waste their time and their energy. But Jesus was always with the people who were corrupted, who were drinking, who were doing all the things that the word of God says not to do. So the Pharisees couldn't understand, like, Jesus, if you're so holy, if you're about our father's business, why are you always with those people? What's the point in that? And in chapter 15, Jesus starts telling them a couple of stories. He's like, oh, let me try to break this down, because I know if I just tell you it, you're not going to get it. So he shares with them a couple of different stories. And we're going to read about the third story of these two brothers. And so we're going to be picking up there in Luke 15. Starting at verse 11, and of course we'll have it on the screen. But I encourage you to go back and read that chapter and read the other two stories that he shares with the Pharisees. But he starts off saying this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons, and a few days later, his younger son, he packed all his belongings, and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money and wild living. So you see this son, he's like, you know what? My dad got a lot. I can use some of that right now. Let me go get my part right now. He gets his part, wastes it all. We read that, right? We think about that. You're probably like, man, that's pretty dumb. How's he going to take the very thing that was meant to bless him, to put him in a position to succeed and just blow it? How's he going to take something that was life-changing and mess it all up? I think a lot of us think, you know what, if that was me, give me that chance, give me that opportunity, that's not what's going to happen. You know what, I got these plans, I got these ideas, and if I just got in that position, if I just got my share now, man, I'm telling you, my slate would be clean, my problems would be fixed. I mean, Life would be so much easier. A lot of us believe that we wouldn't be like this son if we got our share down. We would have wasted. And I don't know what position you are. I don't know your current situation. But one thing I have learned in life, in my own life, in reading the word of God, I want you to take this away today. Is we are more likely to waste something that is given than earned. We are more likely not to take care of it. We're more likely 
man, to not handle it well, especially when you don't work for it, you're careless with it. When it didn't cost you anything, you don't see the worth in it, the value in it. This is the lesson many people don't learn until it's too late. Many people talk about, oh, that'll never be me, and then it happens to them, and they're like, man, I, I wish somebody would have told me these things before they happened. But this is what's going to always happen to us when you lack maturity and stewardship. When you lack maturity in your faith. You're never going to have the discipline that is required, that is needed to keep from wasting what is given. So getting your share now, it isn't a guarantee to wipe in your slate clean. It isn't a guarantee to fixing all your problems. If you aren't growing in your maturity, in your faith, in your stewardship, if you aren't mature in those areas, man, just like that song says, more money, more problems. A lot of times people think that, oh, it's just because you get more money, you don't have more problems. Well, it's just like anything else. You get a bigger job, more responsibility. You're always going to have more issues. But if you get those things and you are mature, and you aren't in a position where you have the wisdom needed to handle it, you're not in a position to, to know how to steward that well, that's where more problems come from. That's where you turn into the sun and waste the very thing that was given to you. We'd all say, man, if I had it right now, watch what I would do. But there's a reason that God holds back some stuff. There's a reason that you get passed over on a job opportunity that you feel like you're prepared and ready to take home. There's a reason somebody else gets blessed and, and you miss out on that thing thinking you're entitled to. A lot of times God's saving us from ourselves. We aren't as ready as we think we are. Before we started this church, many, many years ago, when I was first becoming a pastor, I had people like, from you, you start a church. And I was like, y'all crazy. I don't know nothing about that. If I started a church then, I would not be here today. I can tell you that. I might not even believe in the Lord. I might have messed everything up. And I would have messed up a lot of people on the way. Because if you lack maturity, that's what's going to happen. And we see that happen with the son. I want to continue to read it in verse 14. I want us to see what happens after he ran out the money and he wasted it all. Verse 14, it says, about that time that the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. I can just stop right there. And say, but no one gave him anything. A lot of times we're looking for somebody else to come save our situations. We're not worried about making things right on our own because we think somebody else is going to come and save the day. I want you to receive this today. Ain't nobody coming. Ain't nobody coming. And I don't mean that in a wrong way, but there's going to be a day where your mommy and daddy can't save you. There's going to be a day where your spouse isn't going to be there to help you. There's going to be a day where it's all on you. And no one else is going to come and help you. And you say, well, why isn't God going to come? Why isn't Jesus going to come? He already did. He gave you your share. He gave you what you asked for. But if you don't take care of it, if you're not maturing it, when you mess it up, it's on you. Nobody else is going to come. But let me continue, okay? That's a whole different for another time. But it says no one gave him anything. 
And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, Man at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Man, nothing wakes you up like hitting rock bottom. Nothing wakes you up like finding yourself in a position that you never imagined you'd be in. A lot of times we always think we got all the resources, we got enough time. Our perception of things is, is really messed up. We tend to take so many things for granted until it's gone. We read about this sub, man. He was living it up and then he went without. He had a blessing that could set him up for life and he wasted it all away. A lot of times when we're so caught up in ourselves, we're so caught up in the things that we want, we're caught up in the now, we don't see where we're headed. We don't see the things that are coming against us. He said he found himself after all the men ran out in a severe famine. I don't know if you know anything about famines, but they don't happen overnight. You see, there's five stages that occur until a famine is declared. And the same is true about hitting rock bottom. There are five things you're going to go through before you find yourself in rock bottom. And if you are so focused on your share now, on living now, you're going to miss how you're wasting it all right now. The first stage of hitting rock bottom as you lose your uh, satisfaction, you lose your fulfillment. That joy that you had when you used to go, that passion that you had, starts to go away. The second stage of hitting rock bottom is when you start to lose your interest, your motivation. I don't even want to go. I don't even want to do this anymore. You start to get tired of it. Once you start to reach that point, you go on to phase three. That means you start to lose your job, you start to lose relationships, you start to lose the material items, you start to lose all those things. And what we talked about last week, we talked about grief. Anytime we lose anything of value, what do we do? We grieve. We start to lose hope. And that's the fourth stage. Once those things are removed, now you're hopeless. Now you don't see no way out. Now you're in a place, man, of looking at that pig's food and saying, you know what, that looks kind of kind of all right. I might, I might eat that. The final stage of hitting rock bottom is desperation. There's a lot of danger to living in a place of desperation. There's a lot of things that could occur there and happen there and keep you there. It doesn't happen overnight that people find themselves in that situation, that we could find ourselves in a situation. But it can happen whenever we're not paying attention. When we're so focused on getting our share now, I'm living now. And we stepped outside today, we could look at the weather and we could tell if, if things are going to change, right? We could tell when it's about to rain, we could tell if it's going to be a sunny day, if it's wind. We could tell a bunch of things by just stepping outside and looking at the weather. And the same is true about our faith and our life. If we would just pause, if we would just stop, if we would just look around, we could probably tell where we're headed. If we would look at our situation, we could probably see the things that are coming against us, that are headed our way. You don't have to reach rock bottom to realize that. You don't have to reach rock bottom for this to wake you up. Reaching rock bottom, it, it does wake you up. 
it does make things a lot more clearer, but you don't have to wait till you're there for it to happen. What do we see about this son? He reached a point, he was like, Shh, I don't even know. All I know is I'm done with this, I'm tired of this. He said he came to his senses. That's something I want you to take away today. I want you to take this away. Coming to our senses is vital for wiping our slates clean. Coming to our senses, looking at our life, really looking at ourselves, our actions, our thoughts, that's what's going to help you remove those things that aren't good for you. That's what's going to help you work through these things. And I know that taking accountability for your actions, that ain't fun. That ain't enjoyable. That's not something that people just share and be happy about. That doesn't automatically remove the shame and the guilt that you have for your mistakes. So you're probably like, well, what's the point of even doing it if it's not going to remove those feelings? It's because until we do it, we're going to be filling up a backpack of everything. All that stuff that we're ashamed of, we're just constantly putting in our pockets. All that stuff we don't want people to see, we're just going to fill it in our backpacks. And eventually it's going to be dragging you down. It's going to be weighing you down. It's going to be harder to walk. It's going to be harder to keep pushing forward. God doesn't want that for us. He wants to help us learn from it, grow from it. He wants to forgive you and help you fix the things that you've messed up. So he can free you from the emotions that are trying to keep you trapped. Keep you in that place of desperation. The enemy's always trying to use old news to talk about you today. To be your new headline. You see, doing this, repentance, which is acknowledging these things and turning from these things. They are far greater than what you're going to receive than what you just did. This son said, man, I have enough. Man, I, I would rather own up for my mistakes than keep living in famine. They keep starving myself. They be sleeping with the pigs, looking at what they got. He said, even if it means I got to return home, I'm going to go home. Even if it means my dad isn't going to acknowledge me as my son, I'd rather have that than stay where I'm at now. See, a lot of us got to get to a place where we say, man, I'm tired of being sick and tired. Enough is enough. I'm not going to stay around, man. I'm going to go back where, where God wanted me to be in the first place. Some of us need to return home. And I want us to read what's awaiting for us. I want to read what, what happens next. In verse 20. So we see the son, he says, so he returned home to the father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him, kissed him. He said to him, Father, man, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him. Get a ring, put it on his finger. Get some sandals, put it on his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate. We got to have a feast. This son of mine was dead, but now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Now let's keep it 100. Let's keep it real. 
Many of us have had that moment where we had to do that walk of shame. Where we had to return back home, we had to go back with our head down. We said, man, everybody knows my situation. Everybody knows what I done did. The last thing that we're usually expecting to see is a party, right? That's the last thing we're imagining. We're thinking, man, I'm not even ready to hear everything they're going to tell me. I'm not ready to have to face what's about to happen. And a lot of times that goes to our childhood, our upbringing, our parents, the people that disciplined us and loved us. Sometimes they did it in a, in a harsh way. They did it in a way that makes us look at God that he's going to do the same thing to us. But that's not who God is. Yes, God is a loving God. He wants to correct us. He wants to discipline us. But he's going to do it with love in a way that helps you move forward. In a way that sets you free. In a way that eases the things that you've done. You see, our minds always paint this picture of what's going to happen with God in a way that isn't true. Because when you walk with God, when you follow him, you see that it always plays out differently in real life. It doesn't play out the way that your upbringing showed you. It doesn't play out the way that you've seen happen to your cousins. It doesn't play the same way that it's seen happen to your friends. God has a different way of handling things than us humans have. Something we struggle with. And I want you to take this away. I want you to really receive this and, and know that this is what's always waiting for you from God. God's embrace always awaits our mistakes. His embrace. It said this son was still a long ways off. The father spotted him and he ran to him. Y'all ever had y'all's parents run up on you? It's not something you, you ready for, right? You're like, oh man, I'm not ready for this movement. I'm not ready for what's about to happen. But it said he ran and he was filled with love and compassion. God is filled with love and compassion. He's trying to run to you with it. But you have to return home to him. You see, love and compassion are waiting on the other side of your accountability. Forgiveness is waiting on the other side of repentance. New life is waiting on the other side of going to the Father. This is what God offers each one of us that call His Son, Jesus, Lord, and Savior. I know it's the last thing that we expect when we do some stupid things. We all do some stupid things. We think, man, surely God ain't going to throw no party for me for this. But that ain't what the party was about. The father wasn't celebrating the mess that the son did. The father was celebrating that he had an awakening of what he did. That he was ready to take ownership for his actions. That he was ready to discover who God created him to be. You see, a clean slate is always available if you're willing to take it. If you're willing to allow God to help you get it right. That's what he offers us. It's not going to be that chocolate. It's not going to be that switch. It's not going to be all those things that you're afraid to go and talk to God about. Yeah, there's going to be some discipline. Yeah, there's going to be some correction. But there's going to be a whole lot of love and mercy and grace waiting for you. But you have to make the choice to return home. You have to come to your senses. You have to say, you know what? I messed up and I'm willing to share that. I'm willing to apologize. I'm willing to do the work that it's going to take to make this right. Because it's a lot better than living with this. So we see that happen with one son. Wasted what he had. Man. It didn't say he, was, he went back and got everything again. It said he went back and received love and forgiveness.
he received a second chance. But I want us to read about the other son and see what happens with him. This is in Luke 25. We're going to read to verse 30 in Luke 15. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was working in the fields. And when he returned home, he heard music, he heard dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, man, what's going on? They said, your brother's back. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of the safe return. And the older brother was angry. He wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, man, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And, and all the time, you never gave me even a young goat that I could feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back, squanders all your money on prostitutes, and you celebrate by killing the fatty calf. Boy, he was hot. He was mad. Y'all ever had a, a hard day, a, a tough day, you get home and you get some worse news? Just make you annoyed, makes you even more frustrated, more mad. He couldn't believe what he was being told, what he was witnessing. How in the world have I throw a party for him? Y'all know what he spent his money on? He was calling him out too, right? He wasn't spending on prostitutes. You celebrating this? <laughs> this is really what y'all doing. His point of view didn't allow him to see the bigger picture. His actions showed that he really didn't understand the love that his father had for his brother or for him. Jesus was having this conversation. He was telling this to the Pharisees because they were a lot like the older brother. They would look at people and say, mm -mm, I'm better than that. Mm -mm, that ain't me. Look what I'm doing. They didn't understand that their lack of understanding feeds their ego. When you see life only from your point of view, from your ego, you're going to compare yourself to everybody else. You're going to be looking at what other people got. You're like, well, I ain't got that. Look what I be doing. I don't understand why I'm missing that. Why don't I have that? You see, the Pharisees always saw the mess of people. But they never saw that they needed somebody to help lead them out of their mess. That they needed help. And that's what Jesus was trying to make them understand. Man, the reason I'm with these people is because they need somebody. And y'all ain't being a person I need you to be. You see, jealousy and resentment don't come from places of contentment and understanding. They grow from comparison and selfishness. That's where all that rage, that's where all that anger, that's where all those, well, I don't mind, why is that happening? You start to get upset. It's something we talk about a lot in men's group. It's something my brother Cody always reminds us of. And I love a good reminder. It's this, I want you to take this away. Comparison kills contentment. Comparison kills contentment. You probably have heard that time and time again, but this is the truth. We all need reminders. We all need to look at ourselves and see the way we're acting. Because comparison is going to rob your peace. It's going to rob your joy. It's going to rob everything that you should be appreciative of. It doesn't even matter how much stuff you have. When you are comparing yourself to things, you're going to always find what you don't have. It's going to highlight the negative of your life. It's going to make them the headlines of everything. And the thing is, you're going to be the only subscriber. You're going to be the only one reading the news. Because it's all about you. 
You start to lose grip of what's important in your life, what's valuable in your life. You're going to spend your time and your energy on things that are trying to fulfill you, your self-importance. These Pharisees, they use comparison to aid their understanding of other people. They say, well, I'm looking at my situation. I'm looking at that person. Don't make no sense, Jesus. Why are you with them? It don't make no sense. Why God would want to help somebody like that. They need to help somebody like me. I'm always in church. I'm always telling people about God. They're missing out the greater need. They're missing out the bigger picture. You see, if you want more joy, then you got to start praising God for what you have and watch how you forget what you don't. Amen. You want more peace? Man, you got to get to the one that gives peace. You want more fulfillment? You want more satisfaction in your life? Man, allow God to use you in ways that are bigger than you. Ways that ain't about you. See, on the reverse side of comparison, killing contentment, I want you to see that contentment buries comparison. It does the opposite. It allows you to see Jesus the way that man is going to change you in a way that gives you his perception of life in a way that blesses you and helps you bless others. Church, there are a lot of things in our life that are trying to take us out. We need to learn to bury them. And comparison is a human <laughs> It's a killer, it's a robber, but you don't have to live with that. You can put it to bed. And that ain't the only thing that you can bear. I want us to continue to read, and I want us to look at what the Father says now to the Son. In verse 31, his Father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. The father's trying to tell the older son, he's like, man, you don't realize what you're saying. You don't realize what you're all upset about. This is a moment that you should be celebrating that your brother is having a breakthrough, that your brother is having an awakening, that your brother is willing to own up to his mistakes and try to choose something better. The little brother wasn't trying to scheme or nothing. He was saying, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. How many of us know people that are lost, that are in places of desperation? They never recover. They always stay there. And as much as you love them, as much as you help them, it's never enough. It never changes anything for them. It's hard on the outside to see that when you love and you care for somebody. But there comes a point that they have to choose it for themselves. And we have to do the same thing. So whenever we see somebody else make that decision and make that choice, that shouldn't be something that sparks anger in us. That shouldn't be something that makes us mad. It should be something we celebrate. Because it should be a reminder of how good God is in our life. And even if somebody else loses everything, Man, God is willing to help them still. That's our motto of how good he is to us. That we don't have to question his love for us. We don't have to question of who he is to us. The father told us, I mean, you tripping over your brother's return to the party, man. Like, you, you really tripping. What you have in this life and the one to come, man, it's far greater than everything he just wasted. But you can't even see it because you're focused on him and not the things that I've been doing for you. Comparison, man, it kills contentment. 
Church, let's not be some haters, okay? Let's be some congratulators. <laughs> a win for somebody else, man, is a reminder that it's a win for you. That whenever you mess up, man, love and compassion is waiting. That what you have is, ain't even compared to what's still to come. I want us to really work on having a clean slate this year. So we can celebrate what God's doing in our life. We can celebrate other people. Man, there's a huge blessing in all that. When you're able to celebrate your brothers, your sisters, your friends, it's a reminder of how good God is in yours and all the things that he keeps giving you. So if you know some people that can't celebrate nobody else, man, they, got, they need a heart check. They got some things within them that is allowing things to see it from a selfish point of view. They can't see past themselves. Whenever you can start to celebrate somebody else, man, watch how God continues to bless you in ways that are bigger than the way they just got celebrated. We're always looking at other people, man. We need to look at our own life. So this is my challenge for us all this week. And it's a tough one. But I really encourage you to step out and do this so you can have a clean slate. I want us to apologize to someone you have wronged. Tell somebody you messed up, you're sorry. It's tough. It's not easy. But the truth is, ain't nobody in here perfect. There's not a person in here that doesn't need to apologize to somebody. And you might not know who that is right now. You might not know what it's about right now. But I pray that you would spend time with God. Because that might be the very thing that's messing you up from moving forward. That might be the thing that's setting you back. That's not allowing you to have a clean slate. That's making you carry all this luggage around everywhere you go. Because you're not willing to take ownership for what you've done and apologize. It's not easy, church. I get it. I don't apologize because I enjoy doing it. I apologize because I need it. I'm apologizing to my wife right now. My wife, beautiful wife, Desiree. Babe, I'm sorry. For not always putting you first the way I should. For allowing the work of the church and all these other things to come in between our relationship, our marriage, and even the way that we raise the kids. Babe, I'm sorry. And I really do mean that. Y'all don't understand the stuff that this woman has put up with because of me in this life. Y'all see the good farmer right now. The farmer, this farmer is jacked up still. And I'm nowhere near the husband that she deserves. But it's something I'm striving to and love. I'm, I'm, I really am sorry. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because it's a good example. I really am sorry. Apologize to someone that you have wronged. You ain't got to do it in a public platform. There's a lot of other apologies I got to make. Okay? You got to do it like this. But if you want a clean slate, if you want a fresh start, if you want breakthrough, man, it's time to do some tough work. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for how good you are to us, for who you are to us. I thank you that you are a God that always got open arms waiting for us, filled with love and compassion. I thank you that we have always a place to return. Sometimes we get so far away from you, we think, man, there's no way that he would take me back. But you said you never wanted us to leave in the first place. So, Father, help us extend our grace the way that you extend it to us. 
Your word tells us if we want to be forgiven, that we need to offer forgiveness. That means there's probably some apologies that we need to make. So Lord, I just pray that you would put on our minds those people that we need to apologize to, those events that we messed up, so you can help us learn from them, so you can help us grow from them, so you can help us make things right. Father, because we know that if we're not building on a clean slate, if we're not building on the bedrock of you, then it's all sinking sand. Then it's all going to get broken down and tossed away. Then it's all not going to last. But Father, when we come to you with these things, what you build is everlasting. So help us build up things that can endure the storms that we go through. Father, we thank you for your love, for your grace. We thank you for Jesus, Father. The ultimate gift that none of us deserve. Help us love like you. Father, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. Uh, follow us online at Lubbock Unified on all platforms. And as always, if there's any way that we could help you, please get in contact with us. Other than that, join us next week as we continue to find ways to cross over. God bless.